Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Greet one another in the chat. I can see you all here because we're on the funny cam again today. Bless one another. It is so good to be here. We are in Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel. We're in chapter 36 today. Um, please remember to subscribe um, to this ministry channel here. And you can also go over there onto Odyssey, where we've backed everything up. And you can also look down in the description below. And those of you that would like to financially support the ministry, you can do so by going down below in the description and texting Torah to that number or go to TorahToTheTribes.com. Thank you, everybody that does support the ministry with your prayers, with your tithes, with your offerings, with your wonderful letters in the snail mail that I receive. It really does encourage me to keep pressing on in these times in which we live. Let's get ready as we delve into Yeshayahu, Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel, and we are in chapter 36 today. This is a very, very interesting chapter, and I believe that Isaiah is going to give us some deep, deep insight and give us some really amazing in-depth intricacies into the text that I hope and pray that I'll be to, able to relate and convey meaning to you today as we bring the gospel of Isaiah into our present reality without, of course, ignoring the historical context of what was going on. So let's go without further ado to Yeshayahu, Isaiah, and chapter 36. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of Melech Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, that Senchreviv, Melech, king of Assyria, came up against all the defended cities of Yehuda, And he took them. And the Melech of Assyria sent Rabshakar. Now, this is the introduction to the Rabshakar. And we're going to focus a little bit on this today because we're going to unravel the text of Isaiah. And this character is quite a devilish character. Let's have a, have a look at his name in the Hebrew. It's spelled Resh Bet Shin Kuf Hey, Rab Shekar. And he was from Lachish and came to Yerushalayim, the text says, to Melech Hezekiah. He came to King Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the channel of the upper pool in the highway of the launderer's Field. So Isaiah chapter 36 is set, again, just so that we remember, within the context of the kingdom of Judah during the reign of King Hezekiah. And it's against the backdrop of the Assyrian threat with this very interesting character that we're going to study today, the Rabshakar, the Rabshakar. Resh Bet Shin Kuf the Rab Shekar. And he was a high ranking Assyrian diplomat. And he was sent by the king of Assyria, Senchraviv, 
to intimidate and subdue the city of Jerusalem. And we're going to look at his tactics. We're going to look at this character. We're going to discover where he came from. And we're going to see if his descendants are active in our world today. We've gone and discovered a root. And we're going to examine the root and be able to discover amazing things throughout the text. Because what we're going to find with this character is he implements psychological warfare. The Rab Shakar, in his speeches, as we shall see in chapter 36, he attempts psychological warfare. His aim is to demoralize the people of Jerusalem, the Judahites. His message is delivered in the Assyrian language. It's a calculated, listen, it's a calculated attempt to undermine the morale of the defenders. This is psychological warfare. This character, we're going to find the root of this character, and we're going to see if his descendants are active today in our society, and are they using the same psychological warfare tactics that the Rab Shakar developed in our text. So let's look firstly at the three-pronged attack of his psychological warfare. Number one, the Rabshakeh isolates the Judahites. He lays siege, verses six and seven. You can't trust in the staff of this broken reed. You can't trust in the Lord your God. Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away? What does that say? He's trying to isolate the, Jeho- the Yehudites, the, the Jews. He's trying to isolate them. Then he doesn't understand their faith because he misunderstands and thinks that When King Hezekiah went and purged the high places of all the shrines, that this was him purging the high places of the Lord your God. He doesn't understand their faith. He doesn't understand their devout commitment to Yahweh, the one true Elohim. That's the first thing. Number two, the Rabshakar He correlates chaos, crisis, and confusion. Verse 10, the Lord said unto me, go up against this land and destroy it. And that's what he conveys and communicates to the Jews. They're like, what, the Lord sent you? It brings chaos, crisis, and confusion. The next step, the Rabshakar's scheme is to destroy the Jews from within, to set up a civil war scenario. Look at verse 12. Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you? Number one, isolation. Number two, he creates a crisis. And number three, 
He wants to destroy the Jews from within. This is the tactics of the Rab Shakar. It's psychological warfare. The people of Jerusalem, they were in a crisis. As the Assyrian forces laid siege, the question of whether to trust in human alliances or to turn to the divine presence of Yahweh, that is what is at issue historically, and that is what is at issue with you and I today. Who will you trust? Who will you turn to? The Hebrew word is emunah, faith, trust, and Yahweh. These two words, emunah and the divine name, Yahweh, emphasize what? They emphasize a thematic contrast between reliance on human strategies or trusting in the divine. What's it going to be? Pony up. What's it going to be? King Hezekiah, if you look at the text, and we'll get more into it, I'm just setting us up here, his response involves seeking the counsel of the prophets, seeking the counsel of Isaiah, and turning to Yahweh. Now, the Hebrew letters in the Hebrew word, Hazak, Hazak, be strong, be courageous, is a call to steadfastness in the faith, in the midst of crisis and despair. That's the message. Next week, in chapter 37, we're going to see Isaiah further details the miraculous intervention of Yahuwah, leading to the defeat of the Assyrian army in a miracle and the preservation of Jerusalem. And this pivotal moment demonstrates the power of faith and divine intervention in the face of the depths of despair, when you are feeling so demoralized, so discouraged, so disheartened, in, in amongst insurmountable challenges, miracles can happen. Trust, crisis, and the ultimate triumph of faith in the face of adversity. Look at verse 3. Then came forth to him Eliakim, Hezekiah's son, who was a steward of the household, and Shevna, the sofer, the scribe, and Yoah, Asaph's son, the recorder. And the Rabshakar said to them, Say how to Hezekiah. This says the great Melech, king, Melech of Ashur, Assyria. What trust is this in which you trust? I say to you, speak of having counsel and of strength for war, but they are but vain words. Now, upon whom do you trust that you have rebelled against me? Verse 6. See, you trust in the staff of this broken reed on Mitzrayim, Egypt, which if a man leans upon, it will just pierce and go straight through his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, the Melech, the king of Mitzrayim, to all that trust in him. But if you say to me, well, we trust in Yahuwah, our Elohim, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? You see, there's the confusion. He doesn't understand their faith. 
And he said to Yehuda and to Yerushalayim, shall worship before this altar? You shall worship before this altar? So look at the setting of the controversy. Verse 2 is the setting. This is going to blow your mind. My mind's already blown, but I've already been in this for over a week. The setting of the controversy is where, verse 2? The launderer's field. The launderer's field is the setting of the controversy. So now we're going to look at five aspects and bring it forward to our day. The setting of the controversy is the launderer's field. And I relay that to, number one, the parallel with Ukraine today. Number two, money laundering and the synagogue of Satan. Number three, the Rab Shaker's influence on the financial psyche of society. Number four, foreign nations being used as a launderer's field. And number five, the unraveling of the controversy, the identity of the Rab Shaker and his descendants today. That's where we're going. This is an amazing chapter. The launderer's field and the contemporary dynamics involving Ukraine serve, brethren, listen, this is amazing, as a conduit for the financial schemes orchestrated by the Khazars, who were Tartans, just like the Rabshakar, Turkic Mongols, Assyrians, the synagogue of Satan. I'll repeat that. The launderer's field and the contemporary dynamics involving Ukraine serve as a conduit for the financial schemes orchestrated by the synagogue of Satan. There's five points to this. Number one is the parallel with Ukraine. Today, Ukraine emerges as a focal point. Does it not? It's, it's in the news. There's flags, more flags of Ukraine flying in America than the United States flags. Ukraine has become so entangled in our Western financial complexities. And this nation serves as a modern launderer's field, a territory where financial maneuvers unfold in the shadows. Number two, money laundering and the synagogue of Satan. You see, the synagogue of Satan, a biblical archetype associated with deceit and manipulation, finds echoes in the financial intricacies linked to Ukraine, knowingly involved in transactions that align with clandestine agenda of those of the Rab Shakar, the synagogue of Satan. Number three, we're going to look at the Rab Shakar's influence in financial psyche. Modern day Rab Shakars adapt and are adept at destabilizing the economic landscape financial turbulence that we see associated with Ukraine. 
You see, the phrase launderers alludes to what? Look at it in the text. Break it down in the Hebrew. The phrase launderers alludes to a crushing weight of financial schemes mirroring the chaos induced by the Rabshakeh in this chapter. Number four, we're going to look at foreign nations as launderers' fields. Now, think about this. The launderers' field is really a symbol transcending the biblical narrative. It's finding meaning in the financial complex, complexities excuse me, involving foreign nations. Why do we have these town hall meetings and these debates? And then they're not talking about our borders. They're not talking about our com- economy. They're talking about the Zionist state. They're talking about Ukraine. What we, you'd think we were living in those countries. What about where we're living? You see, we have been plundered. We need to understand the financial complexities involving foreign nations. Just look at the transactions associated with Ukraine, and we see that they align perfectly with the ancient metaphor pointing to an intricate web of financial dealings, the metaphor of the launderer's field. And number five, we're going to unravel this whole controversy today by linking the launderer's field to the modern financial theater involving Ukraine and the Rabshakeh. Yes, the Rabshakeh is at play today. And you are going to become very aware of the financial controversies and the impending great reset of our generation to come in 2024-2025. Isaiah gives us the discernment, brethren, in this chapter. If you have ears to hear and eyes to see, to recognize the interplay between biblical metaphors and the unfolding drama of global financial intrigues today. It's it's amazing. Let's delve into verse 8. We'll go deeper. Now, therefore, give a pledge, I ask ask you, to my master, to the Melech of Eshur, to the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses, if you are able on your part to set riders upon them. How then can you refuse one officer of the least of my master's Abedim servants and put your trust in Mitzrayim and Merkavot, in Egypt and its chariots and for horsemen. Look at the Rabshakeh, and down the rabbit hole we must go. Will you go with me? Okay. Look at the intricate wordplay, and look at the intricate interplay of history, of language, and of devilishly religious development. Three things. We're going to look at this word Rabshakeh. We're going to look at the interplay of history, language, and religious development. The Rabshakeh, Rabbi, synagogue of Satan connection. 
right? Rab Shakar, Resh Bet. Let's break it down. We've got the Resh Bet, Rab. What is this suggesting? This is suggesting authority. And then we've got the Shin Kuf He, Shakar, Shakar, hinting at a dark inebriation. And we unwind an entangled ball, a tapestry of interpretations to cast light on the Rab Shakar's devilish, satanic identity. He's a Tartar, Assyrian, Turkic Mongol, a Khazar. The Rab Shakar was a high-ranking official who represented the Babylonian king during the Assyrian threat to Jerusalem. The Rab Shakar was renowned for diplomacy. He was renowned for military duties. He was renowned for financial intricacies. The Rab Shekar, in fact, leaves a linguistic and cultural imprint on the very regions where his influence once extended. Now, in the process of time, the title Rab Shekar, it underwent linguistic development, eventually contributing to the term rabbi. This transformation occurred through cultural interactions and linguistic shifts as different communities absorbed these Babylonian and Assyrian occultic influences. Are you tracking with me here? So the development of the Rab Shakar title and the emergence of the term synagogue of Satan is the key link to the Tartar Khazarian region and the later conversion of the Khazars to Judaism and the later birth of Zionism under Theodore Herzl, a Khazar, in the latter part of the 19th century. Look at verse 10. Let's delve more into the text. And I came... And I now came up without Yahuwah against this land to destroy it. Yahuwah said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. That's what the Rab Shakar is saying. He is sowing confusion. I thought Yahuwah was here to protect us. But now he's saying that, that, that actually, actually Yahuwah sent him to destroy us. You see the confusion he's sowing? Then said Elohim and Shefna to Yoah to Rab Shakar, please speak to your Avadim in the Aramaic language, for we understand it, and speak not to us in the language of Yehuda. Communication breakdown, a confusion of the languages. They say in one thing, but they actually meet the speaking legalese. Words mean things. Look at verse 12. But Rav Shakar said, has my master sent me to your master to speak and to you to speak these words? Has he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall that they may eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Then Rav Shakar stood and cried with a loud voice. 
in Ivrit, in Hebrew, the language of Yehuda, and said, listen to the words of the great Melech, king, the Melech of Ashur, the king of Assyria. This says the Melech, the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you. Well, hang on a minute. So now more confusion is being so, who do I trust? I thought Hezekiah was for us, but maybe he's not now. I mean, who do I listen to? There's so much propaganda going. I'm totally confused. Verse 14, verse 15, neither let Hezekiah make you trust in Yahweh, saying Yahweh will surely deliver us so that this city shall, be, shall not be delivered into the hand of the Melech of Ashur. Listen not to Hezekiah, for this says the Melech of Ashur, make an agreement with me by a present. Hey, I've got benefits and privileges. Come on, let, let's contract together. You want the bennies, right? And come out to me and eat every one of his vine and every one of his fig tree and drink every one the mine, the water of his own system. Verse 17, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of lechem, bread and vineyards. Look at verse 18. Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, Yahuwah will deliver us. Has any of the Elohim of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the Melech of Ashur? Verse 19. Where are the Elohim of Hamath and Afrad? Where are the Elohim of Sephrahim? Have they been delivered? Has Shomron been delivered out of my hand? Discouragement, doubt. Seeds of confusion. We can see now that Rab Shakur is employing psychological warfare on the Jerusalemites, on the true Jews to demoralize them during the Assyrian threat. Today, we experience traces of this tactic in the concept of the synagogue of Satan. It's depicted in the Bible and its manifestation in today's global cabal. The Rab Shakar's speeches delivered in the Assyrian language were a calculated strategy to instill fear and demoralize the defenders of Jerusalem. And by speaking in a language not understood by the common people, he aimed to create an atmosphere of, of uncertainty and to bring in psychological distress. Can you see that within the text? The synagogue of Satan does likewise. It is a global cabal wielding influence over societal structures. Surely, surely we can see this. At the present time in which you and I live, we witness a form of psychological warfare orchestrated by elements within the global cabal. Wars are bankers' wars, but wars are both physical and economic, and they are driven by hidden agendas. Political divisiveness abounds, and it is amplified throughout various forms of media, and it contributes to social unrest. Strap on, because I tell you what, 2024 is going to be crazy. Buckle up, right? There's going to be a lull right now, but they are going to be 
firing up this political divisiveness. They're going to be amplifying it through social media because they are trying to contribute to social unrest. You saw that during COVID. You saw it during the last elections. They've got even more to lose this election cycle. Social media is a powerful tool. We're using it now. I pray as you feel, as I feel, that the disseminating of Yahweh's word, we're using social media for the glory of Yah. It's a powerful tool. It can be wielded for both enlightenment and manipulation. We've got debt slavery. It's driven by financial systems. It's a modern form of demoralization, getting everybody in debt. It demoralizes you. The debtor is slave to the lender. It demoralizes you. Isaiah is urging us to reflect on the resilience of Jerusalem in the face of psychological warfare. And in our era, brethren, we are being encouraged to discern, to resist. Resist the manipulative forces that are out there that seek to sow discord, that seek to demoralize, that seek to indebt you. Understand the psychological tactics employed throughout history. And if we do that, we will be equipped to navigate the complexities of our present age. We really will. We've got to recognize these psychological tactics that have been employed throughout history. We have to safeguard our moral and our psychological well-being, do we not? Because we are under attack daily. The Rabshakar's psychological warfare tactics are laid bare within this very chapter. And it's a warning to us. That's what I've camped on this week. Isaiah is saying, remain vigilant. Watch out. Even in a modern society, there are modern threats. We need to navigate through the, com the current complexities just as the Jerusalemites were able to navigate through their complexities because ultimately it will illuminate the path to victory. Their victory was a miracle and deliverance from the Assyrians. Our victory will be a miracle and a deliverance from mystery Babylon as we walk into the millennium of peace. It's amazing. Yahweh is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He does not change. He did it then and he's going to do it now. But we have got to overcome what is right before our face. The Rabshakar's psychological warfare tactics. Look at verse 20. I'll have a sip. Who are they among all the Elohim of these lands that have delivered their land out of my hand, that Yahweh should deliver Yerushalayim out of my hand? That's his pride. But they held their shalom and did not answer him even one word. We don't want to enter into the debate. We don't want to enter into the controversy. For the Melech commandment said, do not answer him. That was Hezekiah's commandment. Don't engage with the enemy. Verse 22. Then came Elachim, the son of Hezekiah, that was over the household. 
and Shevna, the Sofer, the scribe, and Yoa, the son of Asaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent and told him all the words of the Rabshakeh. What a character. What a character. He's cloaked in the Assyrian language. And his messages, they become the hair, the, what is the word? Harbinger, harbinger, right? The harbinger of turmoil. Thank you. Harbinger. Harbinger, that's the word. Hairdryer. No, harbinger. The harbinger of turmoil. What does it do? It sets the stage for a psychological onslaught, right? The Rabshakar with his cunning plots symbolizes a predecessor, predecessor. Why am I getting all tongue-tied today? But he's got these cunning plots, twisting and turning. He's the origin of the biblical entity of the synagogue of Satan. Look at his psychological tactics. They foreshadow some kind of military black ops maneuvers of the global cabal that we see today in steering societies towards their vested interests. That's exactly what he did. So now let's look at three things, the darkness and the global cabal's influence. And if we juxtapose Isaiah's portrayal of darkness in the Rabshakeh's era with the shadows cast by the global cabal in our time, we're going to see something very interesting. We've got wars fueled by hidden hands. And this echoes the Rabshakeh's tactics of demoralization. We have a world that is demoralized. Europe has gone down the toilet. Look at the United States, demoralized. The influence, like a pervasive darkness, it extends into political, economic, and social spheres. You must see that. Three things. The Rabshakar, he isolates them. He laid siege. The Rabshakar, number two, he correlates chaos and crisis. The Rabshakar, number three, his scheme is to destroy the Jews from within to set up a civil war. Is that their tactic today? Isolation, correlate chaos and crisis, set up a civil war. That's exactly from the Rabshakar's playbook right here in chapter 36. And we are standing on the precipice of revelation right here. If we can really see this, linking the Rabshakar to the synagogue of Satan and the global cabal. And we can anticipate as we go further into the Isaiah scrolls, the controversy of Zion, both ancient and modern, and it will intertwine as this text unfolds with the unfolding drama of our world today, hidden agendas and the pursuit of power plays in our day. 
But watch out because the Rab Shakar is at play. He is seeking to isolate you. He is seeking to bring chaos and crisis into society. And his ultimate goal, destroy us from within. But Yahweh, as he did then, will do it again. A miracle of deliverance from the Assyrians in our day from mystery Babylon and lead us into the millennium of peace. But watch out for his tactics. He was a Tartar. He was a Khazar, an Assyrian. And this is the very, very root of the problem is the Khazars and the synagogue of Satan. And they are very much at play today. Look at all the dual nationals in the United States government. In fact, if you were go, to go back and look at the history and the context of 1920s Germany, you would find all of the same structures that were in, in play in 1920s Germany when it took a wheelbarrow full of marks to get a loaf of bread. Who owned the banks? who had possession of the real estate and who had the people in debt slavery and who was the ones in government. You will find what they failed to do in Germany in the 1930s. They have successfully accomplished, but it's taken them a hundred years. And we are now in the very place of the Germans in the 1920s. Read your history and you will see that we have been laid siege to, that we have been inundated with chaos and crisis and the Rab Shakar's final scheme is to destroy us from within. It's all right here, but now we have eyes to see that we won't be deceived. I'm going to pop back over and see you in the chat. What do you have to say? There you go. That's what I got for you today. Isaiah chapter 36. Isaiah chapter 36. Let me put on my good spectacles here and refresh the screen and live chat. Carlos Guzman, Shabbat Shalom over there in... Um, Drawing a blank. Where are you guys? Idaho. Idaho. That's right. Idaho. Yes. With much knowledge comes much grief. <laughs> ah, Baruch Hashem, Yahweh, Shabbat Shalom, Michael, Michael. It's front and center. It is front and center. Thank you. Pamela, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for the teaching truth. Baruch Hashem, Yahweh. Straight heat. Straight heat. Any comments? Anybody have any comments? If you want to put a comment up, I'll read it. If you redline me at Torah to the Tribes, it will stand out to me. Otherwise, I will catch you next Sabbath, and we will be looking into Isaiah chapter 37 and unraveling more and more. Give us some thumbs up now. Don't leave without giving us some thumbs up, and certainly don't leave without subscribing. We've got to get the subscriptions up. And remember, you can always go over there to Odyssey because it is being backed up. Thank goodness we are backing it up now over there on Odyssey. And if you would like to, oh, look, somebody else says right here, Blackie Mahoney. I need to do a redo a teaching on this. 
because Blackie Mahoney brings up all teachers to obey government. Um, no, not very uh, watered-down interpretation of, of the book in that specific chapter. I have done a teaching on it in the past, but that was several years ago, and it's not just outright obedience to government. No. I mean, we should, we should honor those that are placed in a position over definite and for certain, but at some time, at some point, when they start to do evil, um, then we have an obedience to follow the creator, Yahuwah. So there is a balance there between honor and dishonor. Um, Jubal asked the questions, when will be the date, at, what will the AM date be at Passover? Well, we'll put that up. We'll put up the new calendar for next year here um, in the next few weeks, I'm sure. Um, Sunny asks if I have a teaching on the 144,000. Hmm, I don't know if I do. That would be a good teaching. That would be a good topical teaching, wouldn't it? Yes, that would be. Well, there you go, brethren. If you do want to find out more about Torah to the Tribes, then please go to TorahToTheTribes.com and bless you, bless one another. You can always connect six days a week in the group section by going to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. Shabbat shalom.